Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcasts, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the Denver Broncos just held rookie minicamp. We'll go through some of the storylines, what we learned. But one of the things, as you kind of break this down, was the audition for rookie quarterback Eric Barrier. Is that how you say it, or is it Barrier? Barrier, I believe. What the heck, and I'll, I'll break this down for us while I, I'll play the video for everybody. Well, we actually talked about Barrier when the Bronco, when he first came out, I had the story about him accepting a tryout at the minicamp, which was that day. Uh, it was Friday and Saturday. The minicamp was held for rookies, and he was auditioning. As you can see right there, I heard it wasn't the smoothest audition, but that's what you get from an undrafted rookie quarterback who comes from a smaller program, Eastern Washington. Let me tell you something, though. You turn on his college tape, I'm not saying he's the next superstar or the next Russell Wilson, but at 6'1", I think 210 or 215, you know who his pre-draft comp was in a best-case scenario? Russell Wilson. So I would like this guy on a project basis a lot more than Josh Johnson wasting air, Brett Rippon maybe even wasting a roster spot. They have a veteran, an Ironman, despite the fluky injury Russell Wilson had last year. They need someone younger. They can develop a new toy for Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Allen. I think it could be Barrier. He has some tools. Yeah, anytime I see that 15 man on a quarterback, it's kind of uh... – coincidental because I don't even know what it was. I think it was a tweet or something today. I went down the rabbit hole of uh, reminiscing about the Tim Tebow era, which lasted all of part of 2010, like two or three games he played at the end. And then, you know, for the almost all, no, five games he didn't start in 2011, but it was kind of fun just re going back and watching some of the clips and stuff from, from especially the 2011 season. It's like, man, that team was was just living on borrowed time, dude. Game after game after game, they, you know, worked some miracle. But fifteen, I always think of Tebow, especially when it comes to a Broncos quarterback. In a non-Broncos quarterback, the number fifteen, I actually think of Jeff Hostetler, dude from uh, the New York Giants. Remember him? Won a Super Bowl in place of Phil Sims back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny though that Nathaniel Hackett. He was asked about Barry A's, or it could have been Allen. I think it was Hackett though. And he was asked, did you expect to give Barry or did you give Barry a notice that he was going to get so many reps as he got apparently on Friday and Saturday or Friday, at least. And Hackett said, no, I did not. I'm so sorry. So if it seems like he was the only quarterback there, Chad, at the rookie minicamp, they didn't draft one and they didn't sign one as a UDFA, a college free agent. They invited him on a tryout basis and he was the only guy there. And I feel like they just worked him and worked him and worked him great for his experience and his resume and his reps that he sorely needs. 
But if he showed any modicum of positive progress or there's something there the coaches could harness, I would like to see him come aboard at least through the summer, be a training camp arm, training camp body. But if he shows enough, they need someone they can develop behind Russell Wilson long-term. Yeah, so here's what Outen said on if he warned Berrier that he was going to get plenty of pitches. I did not. I'm so sorry. I did not. All right, cool, Coach. Well, what was your evaluation on Berrier? He's done good. This is Justin Outen, offensive coordinator of your Denver Broncos. Quote, he's done good. There's a lot of – I try to limit all of the play calls and formations and motions, but he has done a good job as far as getting with passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach Clint Kubiak and being one-on-one. It's never a bad deal when you have a one-on-one relationship and you have a lot of time together. I think he did a good job as far as functioning uh, the offense. So, you know what? He's probably not a guy that's going to stick. I'd be surprised if he does. Uh, But it's still interesting. You know, Russell Wilson's young enough, Zach, that he could plausibly – he wants to play at least another decade in the league. We'll see if he's able to – if Father Time allows that to happen for him and the Denver Broncos. But – you always got to have one or two irons in the fire. And as you mentioned, Josh Johnson, I mean, he is literally the epitome of stopgap in the NFL. Yo, Michael Ronquillo jumping in early with the Super Chat before we even went live because you, he is just a legendary figure in our community. And uh, we love you, Mike. You're a pivotal cat to us. I hope you know that. It says, good evening, Chad and Zach on the Mile High Huddle. Let's ride and go Broncos. Let's ride, Zach. Reminds me, did you see the skit that the Broncos put together with Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson over the weekend? The intern skit or when he was watching film with Russell Wilson, which gave me honestly goosebumps to see the second most accomplished or second best quarterback, arguably don't kill me guys in Broncos history, Peyton Manning talking with Russell Wilson, breaking down film. It was posted on Russell Wilson's Twitter and it just, it makes you feel so good. If you're covering the Broncos, a fan of the Broncos, an observer after the last half decade of wandering through that quarterback desert your new quarterback is sitting right there with his feet up. Russell Wilson going over film in a Broncos uniform, throwing passes on the Broncos field, their practice facility. And who's helping him break down film? That would be Peyton effing Manning. Sorry, Indy. He's Denver's. It's only a 30-second uh, clip. Let's roll the dice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do that thinking to that side. It's, my, it's more of a kind of fake away almost like we're thinking two and then here comes the deep the deep crosses and it comes from right to left okay to make the quarterbacks like corner to, to okay. touch to it and then that's why like on this on this one right here when I fake when I fake it uh, off of it my eyes go back over here to yeah. try to drink, bring everybody and draw everybody to the left there you have it yeah. so just kind of a uh, inside baseball to veterans you know, chopping it up, breaking down some film. And it's kind of cool. I mean, as you watch that clip, Zach, you can see how intense Peyton Manning, like he's like honed in, dude, which, hey, any additional insight you can get from a Hall of Famer like the sheriff and you're Russell Wilson, you're taking it all day long. To be a fly on that wall, you know, what they're talking about, what they're going over. But just to see the process play out, watching Peyton Manning watch film, Watching Russell Wilson watch film, you're talking about two of the most accomplished, best quarterbacks in NFL history. Both now have Denver ties, and Peyton's helping Russell Wilson get better. You love to see it, and um, it makes me even more pumped for the season. More and more and more. Yes, indeed, guys. Real quick, let's just say some hellos. Appreciate it. Hey, look, it's Dave Bingaman's in the house. What's going on, Dave? Good to see you, big dog. 
we got William that was in the chat early. Catalano, uh, Opethian, Opethian, Opethian. I'm guessing you're a fan of the band Opeth, right? Gotta be, gotta be. I don't even know. I've never listened to that band. I'm not huge on metal myself. I like some metal, but not all metal. Uh, John Sandoval in the hizzy, Kevin Gray. We got Dylan moderating the chat, blogging at milehighhuddle.com. This Dylan Von Arks cat, you know, he like comes out of nowhere to just like become a force to be reckoned with. Good to see you, Dylan. Um, Billy, what's up? The Duchess in the house. Michaela, what's going on? You got a, a little something, something coming your way. I'll uh, keep you in the loop on that, my friend. Um, yeah, let's grab Tanner Hulse, also in the house. What's going on, Tanner? Thank you for that very generous super chat, my friend. What's up, guys? Just showing some love. Watching tomorrow morning on my way to work. But let's ride and win back the West. Love it, dude. Hey, you're jumping in early. You can't even be in the live chat, but you're th jumping in early to throw down a super, supporting the cause, helping us keep the lights on. That's a uh, ride-or-die member of our community, Zach. It absolutely is. And one of the things I love when the Broncos release these video clips, these hype clips on Twitter, in the background when the Broncos are lifting weights or uh, doing any sort of exercise or football activity, there's a big banner saying, Win the West in bold capital letters. I love the goals and the culture Nathaniel Hackett has already instilled inside the locker room. And it just, again, the hype grows every single day, Chad. It really does. It was kind of fun watching um, on Broncos YouTube. They put up a behind the scenes clip of the whole intern skit, like outtakes and a few other things. And uh, just seeing that Hackett personality, dude, like he's, he would just be a fun guy to spend time around, dude. But this cat, we knew based on what George Payton said, and then obviously Hackett's own movie references and other pop culture references that he's a fan of the arts. But let me tell you something. This man, he took his uh, he took his task, his responsibility in these skits quite seriously, dude, on character. Boom. Oh, no, we got to reset. OK, cool. And like, I don't know, dude, I'm just impressed by Nathaniel Hackett's acting chops. What can I tell you? Sam Bam, what's good, bro? Thank you for that. Super. My dog. Evening, Chad and Zach. I wonder how often Russ talks about Super Bowl 48 with Peyton. LOL. Mm. Hashtag that night was a nightmare. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes. I don't know. You would think that would be something, Zach, of an awkward topic between the two of them, but I'm guessing Peyton Manning got that out of the way right. quite early, just himself. Like yeah. he probably broached it because, as as uh, alpha as Peyton is, he also to kind of take the pressure out of the situation. He also can be very self-deprecating in the sense of like, you know, hey, uh, Russ, good to see you. You know, it's been a while. I, I'm still having nightmares about that beatdown that the Seahawks gave us in Super. Just something simple like that, then it's out and then it's gone and they move past it. That's the type of guy Peyton is. It's funny that you say that because I, I was going to say, if I was Peyton Manning, I'd go up to Russell Wilson and be like, listen, the first time I met him, let's get it out of the way now. Get your jokes in. Get your roasting in. We're going to have this one time and one time only. After that, we're cool. But then again, does Peyton Manning really care? I feel like if he didn't get SB50, it would sing a lot more, SB48. But he got that. He's one of, if not the best quarterback of all time. He can make the case. So I think uh, bygones are bygones at this point. You would think, you would think, but they did have a little bit of a history pre Super Bowl 48 because two different run-ins. First of all, Russ went to the Manning passing Academy as a, as a prospect and slash collegiate player. And then on his pre-draft visits, he did come visit the Broncos, did Russell Wilson. And um, when he did, it was right after Peyton had been 
signed by the Denver Broncos and they cross paths in the building as, as Russ talked about during his intro presser. But Travis Weber, what's going on, bro? What rookies stood out at camp? It's really hard to say exactly because it's so, um, what's a good word for it, Zach? It's so structured. It's so, you know, they're not out there running team. They're out there running drills. They're out there doing individual. Elementary but stuff. I don't think anyone really popped to, per se, but it was cool to see Nick Benito. I mean, I still am trying to get around that 42. I think he's a safety. You know, you see that number and you're like, oh, there's a safety or there's like a fullback or something. 42. I don't think that's going to be his forever number in Denver. Do you? Well, no, Andre Mintz just got cut from the Broncos. He was waived along with three other players. And I believe Mintz was 50 90, something. Well, he was 91 in the pictures on, uh, or that we pulled. Actually, I'm going to look it up real quick. Keep well, talking. 91's a lot better than 42 for a pass rusher. So I would be all over that if I'm Nick Benito, but he addressed that. Someone asked about him or asked him about the uh, Jersey number. He says, I don't really care. I, I wanted a number, any number. And he took it, but 42 to me is not a good look for uh, the high price uh, second round rookie. Yeah, it just, I think the first chance he can get that changed up, he should. Let me just order this by numbers real quick. So 91, I'll, 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 oh, the Duchess, Jews, a good thing I came back to this tab to see the Duchess on a Michaela bump throwing down from the top rope. I mean, Thank you, Michaela. keep As this always. gal out of the WWE ring because she will reign supreme. Love you. Thank you so much, Michaela. She says, hi, Chad and Zach. Is it just me, but I miss mm, – uh, he will always be a Bronco in my heart. Dang it. Vaughn. Vaughn. Okay, yeah, it's got to be Vaughn. Yeah. No, it's not just you. I think everybody, you know, is suffering from a little bit of uh, Vaughn, you know, absence grief. I don't know. It's going to be weird seeing him in the AFC. It was one thing, Zach, to seeing him playing – for the Rams, um, seeing him in the AFC is going to be a little bit different, but all good things come to an end. That's just the way it is. And he gave the Denver Broncos more than a decade of all-pro impact. And without Vaughn, you don't win Super Bowl 50. So every, Bronco fans are always going to have those memories. But, no, we feel you for sure. There's a, a huge sect of Broncos country that will always miss Vaughn up until or if he comes back to the Broncos, even just to retire as a Bronco. But – it was a trade that truly was a win-win for both sides. Vaughn was sent to a team that won the Super Bowl, and the Broncos got back a really good return uh, for Vaughn Miller. So um, it sucks that he's not with them anymore, but he also he got paid from Buffalo. So if you're a fan of Vaughn Miller and if you're rooting for the player, you got to be happy for what's happened to him in the last year, after the last five years in Denver, which he talked about. For what it's worth, Nick Benito took number 42, and Dylan Parham, the tight end, undrafted from NC state is wearing 48, at least 48, you know, Shaq rocked that uh, Shaquille Barrett as a Bronco. I could see that you get all the 50 numbers are taken, but I'm, I'd also be talking to uh, like Natani Muti about his number. I'd be talking to, let's see, Billy Turner about 57, even then you get into the nineties. Let's say, I know they don't have to pick these. They can pick any Jersey number now. That's as long as it's available. It's not like the old days where it used to be just fifties and nineties for linebackers. Then they started allowing forties. Uh, let's see, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, all the nineties are taken too. So 91, it looks like Zach, when they waved, uh, 
uh, Andre Mintz. They gave it to the rookie Matt Henningsen there, defensive tackle. Yeah, good call on that. And also, it's worth pointing out, we were asked about what rookie stood out at Broncos minicamp. Well, Henningsen stood out for the wrong reason. He suffered, I believe it was a hamstring tweak. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett confirmed or Justin Outen. I think it was Hackett who talked about it. It should be fine. Uh, he's coming along slowly. They're not going to push him because hamstrings are very tricky to rehab, very tricky to come back from, if not done the right way. But he did suffer a minor tweak. It's worth noting, Chad. For some reason, I can't find the quotes from – oh, here it is – from Hackett and company, Nick Benito. Why he chose number 42. You guys want the uh, – Ben, what's going on? Good to see you, buddy. Hashtag let's ride indeed. Uh, here's exactly what Nick Benito said on choosing his number 42. It was just one of the numbers that were available. I didn't care what number I was given. I just picked whatever. So zero thought really went into it. It was, hey, you're a linebacker. What's available in that? Um, in the 40s, 50s, 90s, he took 42. I don't know. It, we're probably making way too much out of this, but it's just weird. Well, you know, I, I'm – you guys know me not to be the huge, the biggest Nick Benito fan right now, but I really like that answer from him. He, he just wants to play football. He wants to get in where he fits in in Denver. He doesn't care what number he he rocks. And compare that to Kayvon Thibodeau in, uh, with the Giants. He wanted I, uh, whatever number he wore in college, and he traded with uh, the punter or the kicker or someone for 50000 toward a charity. That shouldn't be a storyline right after you get drafted. You're coming into the pros and trying to find your way into a whole new environment. I like that Nick Benito is all about football, all about the Broncos right now. Lawrence Rivera, appreciate you, my friend. How many people had to adjust to the altitude? And then he says, I, I saw Benito. Um, all of them pretty much, dude. It takes, a, it takes a minute unless they played at altitude in college. Um, everybody is acclimating to the altitude, and that's why – it's important, especially as a rookie, but even as a veteran, as you start inching close, you want to stay as close to, to home as you can to keep your body acclimated to the thinner air, less oxygen saturation through uh, breathing and all that. G going and spending, for example, Zach, like most of your offseason in Florida and then coming to the Mile High City, you're just going to have a much harder transition. So all these rookies struggled a little bit with altitude um, to greater or lesser degrees. You know, this is not Broncos related, but the punter, pun god uh, from Arizona State, Matt Ariza, Ariza, he went to Buffalo and he was asked about the weather change going from sunny California to Buffalo. So I, it's always an acclimation period. And that's really the one of the few takeaways you can take away from the Broncos rookie minicamp. You can't make too much. There's no winners and losers, but these, these are players, like I mentioned, coming into a new environment, coming into altitude, coming into a new team, new locker room, new teammates. It's important they get these reps down. And I want to clarify, it was uh, – I'm sorry, it was a zero ever. I don't know why I thought Justin Outen would talk about Matt Henningsen, but it was a mild calf strain, according to Evero, for Henningsen. We'll get him some rehab and some treatment, and we'll bring him back as soon as he's ready. So it doesn't sound too serious. No, and that is good. I'm looking here at uh... – Awuzarike, I kind of felt for him a little bit. And by the way, I'll put a pin in that for a second. We'll grab Rodney since I threw you it on screen. You that pronunciation, by the way. Congrats. Yeah, but I'm I'm still not confident in his first name, so I'm just going to go with the, <laughs> the last name here. Halfway home. Uh, Rodney, evening, Chad, Zach, Broncos country. Hope everyone's having a great day. I know this may be off topic, but I need to ask, what was your guys' input on D'Angelo Henderson back in 2017 as a running back? Do you guys think he would have been special to this team? Um. What was his nickname, Zach? Hop. 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 Uh, 
I, we liked them, but we never got carried away in D'Angelo Henderson. It was weird that the Broncos did draft two players that year named Henderson. Um, but yeah, D'Angelo, he was kind of pushed out when Philip Lindsay uh, rose the next summer, that next cycle. But he was an interesting player. Sorry, my bad. I, I bumped the wrong thing. I don't even know what happened to him after. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Well, he was part of that 2017 draft class. And looking back on it, that freaking draft class, except for Garrett Bowles, is cursed, man. I did like Hop coming out of college. I thought he could be something for the Broncos. Um, didn't work out for him. He was behind C.J. Anderson, wasn't he, that year? That's kind of why. Uh, 17, yes. So 17 was, his la- was C.J.'s last year. Or was it 16? No, it was 17. 17 was there, Um, but, but real quick, what happened to Hop? Uh, he landed with the New York Jets on the practice squad and then promoted to the active roster that same year and then later was waived back to the practice squad, one of those type of things. <clears throat> then um, they released him that summer. He landed with the Vikings and was waived a month later. Then he basically sat out a few months, signed with the Eagles late October of 19, and then was bounced in January. And then he's not been in the league since then. He played in the uh, XFL in 2020, Zach. He actually signed with the Houston Roughnecks, but it shows that he had his contract terminated, of course, when the league had to suspend operations because of the pandemic. So. Shout out to Hop. It's interesting. The Broncos had three intriguing dart throws in that draft in Henderson, um, Henderson, and Isaiah McKenzie. Carlos Henderson uh, and Isaiah McKenzie as well. McKenzie worked out for Buffalo. They found him a role as a gadget player, but both Hendersons were washouts at the NFL level. It happens, man. But I'll give this to at least to D'Angelo. He was a pro. Uh, Carlos was an utter embarrassment to any pro players like he had the talent in, in spades like there's no getting around that juice um yeah listen to this who's who of swings and a miss in 2017 beyond garrett bowls round one and let's face it it was touch and go with bolsey for a minute there for a few years there demarcus walker was your second round pick Oof. carlos henderson was your third round pick brendan langley was your other Oof. third round pick jake butt was a flyer in the fifth round your fifth round pick Isaiah McKenzie, also in the fifth, D'Angelo Henderson, sixth round, and then not to be dismissed or easily forgotten, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Swag Kelly, in uh, round seven, the very last pick in the draft. So, man, that was a bloodbath. I mean, Jake Butt stuck around, stuck around till almost the end of his rookie contract, albeit injured most of the time. Yeah, on one knee. Uh. Kelly had a shot, dude. He could have been something if he doesn't get arrested. I mean, they were ready to bench Case Keenum and give him a shot. But ooh. it'll never not be funny to me. Getting hit with a vacuum, wandering into someone's house drunk, wearing a Woody from Toy Story costume. Can't make Do, that up. Does it look like I'm s- slow on, like my mouth's not matching the sound on your end? No. Sometimes, like when you move your head, see, it's like the blur. Right. I think that's, I don't know. I don't know. Throwing me off. Andrew Baker, what's going on, big dog? He says, what's up, fam? With the Russ with the Russ not using the tight end talk, when has he ever had a good one? Jimmy Graham was a shell of his former self, and with all the weapons and only one ball, 
Greg Dulcich might be the next premier tight end. Yeah, you know, really, I guess he had Greg Olson for a minute too, right? Wasn't Greg Olson in Seattle for a minute? Um, but yeah, it's just, here's the thing that I think people miss on the whole Russ doesn't use the tight end thing. If you're going to use the tight end, usually in a passing offense, Zach, you know, if they're really getting usage, like Jimmy Graham, think back to New Orleans. That was a prolific passing offense where it was literally the focus of the offense was the quarterback and throwing the ball. So the tight ends in those offenses become, just from a law of averages perspective, they're going to draw in more targets and catches. In Seattle, first of all, they were not an offense first team, even though they had a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And then when you actually, they were defense first. Then when you get to offense, they weren't even pass, like not so much pass first, but pass focused. It was run focused and then play pass off the run. And so the exposure, I guess, is what I'm getting at. The number of swings at the plate or opportunities for Russ to target the tight end. It's just not an apples to apples comparison to say Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees in New Orleans. Listen, I hope Greg Dulcich, to your point, Andrew, becomes the next premier tight end in the, in the NFL. I've heard Travis Kelsey comparisons for Greg Dulcich. I hope he meets them. I hope he becomes that player. But we just talked about Jake Butt. Some of us are in, in Broncos country have the same belief in Jake Butt. He was going to become the next great hybrid tight end who can block and cat and catch and become the next NFL superstar. It never worked out. I hope it works out for Dulcich, but he has premier receivers, Russell Wilson. It should be noted in, you guys know him, Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. And you know what, Chad, in Seattle, he didn't have great coaching. He didn't have great running backs or tight ends, but he always had great receivers, it seemed like. He always had receivers that fit his skill set. He has those guys in Denver now. I always thought, personally, the tight end, for this 2022 Broncos team was just the a luxury, the cherry on top of the offense. If you think about it, though, yes, Russ had good receivers, but none of them were like big premier guys. Like Doug Baldwin, I think he was undrafted, if I'm not mistaken. I think the highest drafted wide receiver Russ had before DK Metcalf was Golden Tate. And I think Golden Tate was a third-round pick when he entered the NFL, and then you get to DK even uh, what's it? Curse, Javon, uh, not Javon. Uh, Jermaine. Jermaine, thank you. He wasn't a premium round pick, unless, unless I'm mistaken. What does that mean? Well, first of all, I think for a time there, John Schneider, the GM in Seattle, did a really good job. He was a very uh, underrated draft artist. I mean, leaned heavy on defense, but still. But I think the main takeaway from that, Zach, is Russell Wilson, just like Peyton Manning. You know, look, he came to Denver and Demarius Thomas was a first round pick, obviously just like talent waiting to be, um, you know, utilized correctly, but Eric Decker, third round pick, you know, okay. Like he can be a playmaker, but neither one of those guys, Julius Thomas was an afterthought. Everyone was thinking at that point that Julius wasn't going to be anything. Couldn't stay on the field. And when he was on the field, he would just couldn't block. So he was just looking like a wasted pick. Peyton took those guys and turned them into at least two of them for a couple of years, household names. That's what a great quarterback does. He is the tide that raises all ships. And I think that explains in large part, some of the success, a big part of the success anyway, that those receivers had with Russ in Seattle. And then we'll grab Rodney. Well, this is a good shot from Nathan. He also had Percy Harvin. 
And when you think about the collection of talent Russell Wilson's worked with, they're not no names. Every receiver, including Tyler Lockett, has become a name player in the NFL. So they might not have been highly drafted or stars, but they all fit what Russell Wilson does. He's probably the best deep ball thrower in terms of accuracy in the NFL. And all the receivers, Golden Tate, Percy Harvin, every single one we mentioned fit that skill set. And he has four in Denver right now that can do the same thing for what he wants to do. Yeah, but for what it's worth, Percy Harvin was a Minnesota Vikings draft pick. But he was a first-rounder. He was a first-rounder, right? Or am I – I know what needs to be known about your Denver Broncos, guys, but sometimes when we get into the weeds like this, I, I don't remember everything. Jimmy Graham wasn't a Seattle draft pick. So, right. I mean, I'm just True. talking about his skill set, his supporting cast. Yeah, like Russ always like those speedy guys, those kind of like um, scrappy smaller receivers because Doug Baldwin – not tall. Golden Tate, Zach, not tall. Curse, not tall. Even Percy Harvin, not tall. And he found ways to cook with those guys. Travis, what's up, bro? Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, the question that came in about Nick Benito, was it from – where'd it go? I got to find this now. Rodney Garcia, was it Rodney asked about – let's just uh, – here's the cliff notes. What are your expectations for Nick Benito? How many sacks, I think, is what he wanted to know. There we go. How many sacks will Nick Benito have, Zach, as a, as a rookie? What's realistic? Because he's going to be a DPR, designated pass rusher. He's not going to play on early downs. He's not going to play against the run. He's not there yet in year one. A situational pass rusher. They have healthy, or going into the season, hopefully healthy, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb. They have two veteran backups and Malik Reed. I'll call Jonathan Cooper a veteran for conversation's sake. I would say... Six to eight sacks is like the floor to the ceiling for Nick Benito year one. I'd be happy with that. Man, it's just so hard to predict how much action he's really going to get. You know, because if if Gregory and Chubb stay healthy, he's going to be exactly that, Zach. He's going to be a designated pass rusher coming in on some third downs. He's going to maybe be thrown in on a few NASCAR packages here and there. But if either one of those guys miss time <clears> – <throat> Let's answer this question amongst ourselves, Zach. If either one of those guys miss time, let's say you're a good quarter of the way into the season or beyond, is it Malik Reed next into the fray or is it Nick Benito? I, I think it would be a combination. I think Malik Reed on early downs and Nick Benito on third downs. They'll have sub packages, NASCAR packages, but everyone's underrating Chad, including us on the podcast, what the defensive line will do from a pass rushing standpoint. Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, Awuzurike, they can get after the quarterback too, and they're going to take some production away. doesn't matter where it goes, who gets the sacks, as long as the Broncos do get sacks, but they will be getting some production from the D-line, not just the edge rushers. Yes, indeed. And especially Uzurike, dude. I'm telling you guys, that's a that's probably going to end up being the gem of this particular class. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he supplants Mike Purcell in the starting lineup, even if not by week one, at some point in this season. Um, Chet, real quick. Yeah. Let me just add, you had a story on him. I did as well when the Broncos picked him up. If Chris Allen makes the mm -hmm. Broncos roster as an edge rusher out of Alabama. The Broncos really like this kid, gave him $180,000 guaranteed upon signing him as a college free agent. If he makes the cut as well, how do you divvy up all the pass rushing snaps? you got to get everyone some work, so it could take away from what Benito could do as well in year one. The headline, Nathaniel Hackett dishes on undrafted rookie Christopher Allen. 
quote, he's a very talented athlete. He's banged up. Here is what Hackett said about the former Crimson Tide standout. Uh, quote, we're going to play that by ear as far as, hey, what's, what's your outlook for Christopher Allen? We're going to see how he comes along. He's a very talented athlete, a really good person. For us, it's about getting him healthy and getting him right first. Then as we move forward, we'll be able to see where he fits. He has a lot of stuff that he has to offer. Pardon. He has a lot of stuff that he has to offer this team. And we just have to get him out there so we can evaluate it. So that's the biggest thing for Allen. As you mentioned, that big guaranteed dollars, like he's sticking beyond this year. He'll last this year. It's just a matter of how quickly can they get him out on the grass because he had that injury uh, in the season opener. I'm trying to remember what it was here. Um, standby. Suffered a wrist. Let's see. Allen has a concerning injury. Da, 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 da. Broke his foot. Broke his foot. So he's coming off of that at six foot four, Zach, 252 pounds. Sounds a lot like Bradley Chubb, doesn't it? Get him healthy first, see what he can do. Um, as you mentioned, he's pretty much locked into a spot of some sort. I think practice squad at worst, considering what the Broncos paid and invested in Chris Allen. I hope he makes it onto the roster at some point. And if he does, I'm just saying the Broncos edge rushing room is packed right now. So where does Benito fit in? A lot of names. GLP being one of our favorite names. What's going on, Gary? Good afternoon, MHH Priest. He says, good show. Go Broncos. Let's ride. Really appreciate you, Gary. And by the way, guys, just so you know where we stand on the Facebook contest here in the month of May, we are on day 15 trying to reach. We lowered it. We're trying to reach 200,000 stars on Facebook this month. If we hit it, we're going to raffle off one of these Demarius Thomas jerseys. I'll grab one for scratch and sniff. All right. We got a few of these in stock, as it were. Uh, good news, bad news. Good news. We got it. Bad news. We're only at 19% complete and we're at 50% of the way into the month. And then while we're on the topic, Zach, we need to update, let everybody know where things stand on the Super Chat Superstar uh, competition on YouTube. We're running a similar contest only on YouTube. It's the top five finishers on Super Chat in the month of May. Their names go in a hat. They get a, a either a DT jersey or a Broncos jersey of their choosing. This is up to right before tonight's show launched. DWI guys in number one, Michael Ronquillo, number two, Michaela the Duchess at three, D-Dub, Dale at four, and Tanner at five. So Tanner, Michael, and Michaela will, have be, will be bolstering their position in the top five after tonight. But some of the names just outside, Shane Tuttle, Sam Bam at seven. That's a lucky number, is it not? Paul, 826 who has climbed, Najal Toff, Mark the God King, Casey Nickel, Mark Schrader, Kendrick Ware, who's become really consistent, and then Rock Chalk Broncos. So there's your update on the Super Chat contest uh, on YouTube. Appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, Zach, I want to get your thoughts on, this was an interesting article that Trickle, Eric Trickle published, um, I think it was Friday. And you think about, you know, every coaching staff has its darlings. Right. And every coaching staff, to greater or lesser degrees, the front office kind of drafts around their philosophies, their likes, their their schemes and whatnot. So with a new staff coming in, who amongst the Fangio favorites could find themselves on the outside looking in and not maybe really fitting in all that well with the newer schemes and the new philosophies and coaches in tow? This is a really interesting article, but 
I want to get your thoughts on a few of these names. First of all, Jonathan Harris, who Fangio kind of had a thing for, brought him over from Chicago. You think this is a, a cat that finds a way to stick around in any capacity, and I'm including here, Zach, practice squad. I don't know. New head coach, new DC, and new uh, D-line coach as well. So he has no uh, supporters in his corner. I don't think they need him. They have a great defensive line after the draft. They are stacked there right now. Harris is expendable. Tyree Cleveland. Expendable. This is a guy I really don't think survives this summer, even on the practice squad, former seventh-round pick. Uh, Natani Muti. Now, this is a tough one, Zach, because we've always been a big fan of, of yeah. Muti and his just enthusiasm and passion for the game, and he's strong as heck. And when he's out on the grass, man, he's a bully. But you get him into pass protection situations, he's a little bit sketchy. And the, the question here, as Eric writes, is, you know, you get into, all right, his strength is as a run blocker. Well, that's in a booth. You know, that's one-on-one -on -one power blocking. What about zone blocking? I'm not sure about the fit here. And as much as I like Muti, I can't deny that I do also question his fit in a wide zone blocking scheme, but it would kind of disappoint me if he doesn't find a way to stick around this summer, if I'm being honest. Yeah, the new uh, OL coach I'm excited about because it'll weed out who's not a fit from the previous regime under Mike Munchak and who will be a fit. But I think when they brought back Graham Glasgow, it was the writing on the wall for someone like Natani Muti. He's holding on to his roster spot, I feel like, by a thread right now. The Broncos have to add an interior lineman in the draft. So I don't know where Muti stands. It doesn't look good, if I had to guess. Quinn Bailey is a guy that, you know, he – the Broncos didn't have to turn to him but once since he's been a Bronco, and he held his own in that one game that he had to um, – I think it was for Garrett Bowles, right? He went in and played some left tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Last year, this is a guy that you bring in three different tackles. I mean, Tom Compton, it sounds like they're going to be viewing him more as a guard. He'll be cross-trained. He'll be doing guard and tackle. But I think from a roster math perspective, probably view Tom actually as more of a guard – prospect than you do a tackle but still you got billy turner you got calvin anderson where does quinn bailey fit in i'm not sure that he does mike purcell though zach let me just read something here that eric wrote quote there is no versatility with purcell on the d line and that isn't a good thing the broncos effectively replaced him with free agent pickup dj jones because remember purcell was the nose tackle he's never been the four eye he's never been the the four technique he's never been the defensive end except for in rare occasions DJ Jones has a little more versatility. Unfortunately, Denver won't have enough defensive sets that'll put both Purcell and Jones on the field at the same time that'll justify Purcell's cost. The old coaching staff was an outspoken fan of Purcell, and he is one that you root for. However, the business side of football and the new coaching staff could mean a change of scenery is coming for the big man. Zach, your thoughts? Well, uh, first of all, uh, Quinn Bailey, I was trying to figure out what quarterback that was. It's not Drew Locke. Someone oh, that's Kevin Hogan. I was saying it was either Kevin Hogan or Brandon Allen. So uh, quarterback carousel, uh, thing of the past now. Quinn Bale is expendable as far as I'm concerned. Purcell is a one-trick pony. I liked him in 2019 before he got paid. He seemed like a real uh, solid run plugger. But like Eric wrote there, they picked up DJ Jones. Uh, they have a Wuzurike who can uh, perform against the run as well. I don't think uh, he's going to last. Plus, it, are, if they get rid of him, aren't uh, – the uh, salary cap hit outweigh the dead money on Purcell? Yes. If I think they got to do the post June 1st designation on him, a few more bucks in the pocket. Yes. They could definitely save some cash. Malik Reed though. 
Now, this one I'm not so sure about just because once you get past the top two guys on the depth chart, as we've mentioned already on the show tonight, even Gregory and Chubb are kind of injury cases. Even though Chubb's fully healthy right now, Gregory still licking some wounds. Neither one is a guy you feel uber comfortable just like going all in on them without any kind of a backup plan. Malik Reed, I mean, Jonathan Cooper got some snaps last year, some experience, some exposure to the league, but Malik Reed is the only guy not named Chubb or Gregory that has any NFL, true NFL starting experience, and he's playing on an RFA tag. So that money, whether they keep him or not, is guaranteed. This is one I kind of disagree with in terms of him really being at any risk of losing a gig this year. Now, beyond this year, I think it's fair to say it's up for uh, debate. You can make two arguments for and against Malik Reed, who we didn't mention among that stack pass rushing group as well is Baron Browning, who's going to get some OLB action. So where does, again, Benito, where do Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper fit in? We do not know. But we're also talking about a guy who didn't he lead the Broncos in sacks? Malik Reed? Not last year, but the year before. The year before. Yep, Chubb's Pro Bowl year. It was this guy. So actually led the team in for sacks. a couple million dollar RFA tender, a guy who previously led your team in sacks, a veteran, uh, you could do a lot worse as a backup. A backup, not a starter. Agreed. Uh, a saying Bassey, whom the Broncos waived last year. Uh, quick backstory, Bassey, college free agent. He was a Fangio favorite, made the roster out of camp as an undrafted rookie out of Wake Forest in 2020. Playing starter snaps, and then three weeks in, ACL tear, done the rest of the year. Comes back, and I can't remember exact timeline when they waived him, but he was – oh, he went from um, the pup list, Zach, to he couldn't make it in time to – I think he's got to week eight or whatever. Then they waived him, landed in Los Angeles with the Chargers for a, a minute, practice squad style, then they waived him, and now he's back. The Broncos picked him back up. Asang Bassi, though, Zach, before we uh, dismiss him so quickly, has that inside – uh, ability and experience. He can play slot corner. He can play the nickel and he can play dimebacker. He can be a force against the run. He's a great tackler and a very physical DB. Is he really at risk, like real risk being on the outside looking in? Well, you, as you wrote about Chris Allen, I think you tweeted it. You can't make the club from the tub. And the saying Bassey pretty much missed all last season on the pup list. And you're not going to help the Broncos with a new coaching staff, you know, a new defensive coordinator. If you can't stay on the field, I predicted after the draft, after the college free agent signings, that Eastern Carolina cornerback, former ECU cornerback, Jaquan McMillian, will beat out Asang Bassey on the 53 for a final roster spot. That's my prediction. I think he's on the outside looking in. What about Brett Rippon? Yeah. Now, this is a guy who spanned, this will be his third offensive coordinator in as a college free agent, as an undrafted guy. He went from being a favorite of Rich Scangarello, and we know Rich was the impetus for the whole Brett Rippon thing. But then Rich gets fired after year one, and Rippon sticks, right? They, they keep him around so much so that I guess they went out and signed Jeff Driscoll to kind of hedge a little bit. But when they had to play someone not named Drew Locke in week four after Locke got hurt, oh, no, I guess that's not true. Locke got hurt. They put in Driscoll. Driscoll sucked the next week in week three against Tampa Bay. So they started Brett Rip in week four, but I digress. Does he fit in with this staff? You think Zach? 
You know, everyone, when Locke was here, they made the case for Britt Rippon because of that Jets game that he started. People forget he threw three picks in that game. He threw two touchdowns mm-hmm. with three picks. He never impressed me. He's Kellen Moore. He needs to retire and become a coach. He had better utility and I think a, a better longevity in the NFL if he did that. I personally want to upgrade behind Russell Wilson. I know you're fine there. You have your franchise guy, but Brett Rippon does nothing for me to move the needle, nor does Josh Johnson. That's why I like they brought in Barrier. I would have liked to see the Broncos maybe use a late-round flyer or a CFA signing on a quarterback because I want a younger guy. Rippon doesn't move the needle for me at all. Shout out, Jim. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you in the chat. Um, all right, almost done with this topic, and then we'll get come back to the chat. Andrew Beck. I understand why you question this, especially with the number of tight ends they added through the, the college ranks, but they actively went out and re-signed him. They didn't pick up his RFA tender, but they re-signed him on a one-year deal because he can play fullback. Now, Eric's argument here is any tight end can play fullback, and I think to a great extent that's true. But for whatever reason, man, they like this cat as a fullback I would agree that his place on the roster is not perfectly uh, solid, but I think of the 11 players on this list, he's one of the ones that probably has the least uh, to worry about. You know, I kind of disagree. I feel like Bex, uh, he was a nice player a few years ago, but what's the point? You know, is he going to be just a blocker because you signed Eric Tomlinson? You know, you, you brought back Eric Saubert. Think you're good there for blocking tight ends. And the final nail in the coffin could have been the selection of Greg Dulcich chat in the third round as Eric Wright's there. I don't see the utility for Andrew Beck. I really don't. And then they brought back Eric Saubert. So, all right, Justin Sternod. It's a sink or swim summer for Justin Sternod. I think he's a guy from a skill set perspective when you look at his scouting report, traits, whatnot, that a defensive coordinator like Ejiro Evero, or is it Ejiro? Anyway that Evero likes in terms of, hey, he can be a first down guy. He can be a third round or third down guy, you know, as far as a a coverage linebacker. But when it came out in the wash last year on the grass, obviously he left much to be desired, but a new coaching staff could look at this guy's length and his athleticism and some of his measurables and think in my system, it could be something. However, make no mistake. I think whatever goodwill Justin Sternod earned from, being a uh, fifth-round pick of the John, last John Elway draft class was expended last year when he was not equal to his opportunity, and they had to go to the rookie, Baron Browning. They say pictures, you, know, you say a thousand words, you say three with Justin Sernal by looking at that picture. He ain't it. Is that Ernest Johnson, the third-string Browns running back, and the Case Keenum win over the Broncos? Ooh. It's blowing past Justin Sternod there? No. Another player I liked, I was willing to give a chance to, but when on the field, he proved he just is not it. No. And then lastly, Barrington Wade, who, look, he was an no. undrafted rookie last year. He's he's in the same boat as a lot of these uh, fringe roster guys anyway. Wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if he – I'd be surprised, put it that way, if he sticks in any capacity on this roster. Michael, dude, top roping it. Appreciate that, my friend. That's number two for tonight. MHH Mount Rushmore, Michael Ronquillo. Good thing there's plenty of room in the MHH – Rockies our Mount Rushmore are it's it's a full range of mountains that's it has to be to include all the great mavens in our our community but Michael you demand dude thank you buddy 
Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, definitely appreciate that. You are the man. I want to point out while we're putting a bow on the topic about inside linebackers, it was Ajiro Evero on Saturday yesterday who talked about former Hawaii linebacker Kenai Malga, who the Broncos mm-hmm. signed as a college free agent. This is what Evero said. He's a sharp kid, very coachable. All of the things that we asked of him, he's been able to do. We're excited to get him with the other guys and see what he can do. So I would rather give him a shot than bring back Barrington Wade or Justin Sternod. They seem to like this kid, and it doesn't bode well for a player like Sternod. Yep. Hey, George, appreciate that, my friend. Uh, in Florida, got you. Broncos country, not a geographic location, baby. It's a state of being. James uh, bought my tickets to the Broncos-Titans game. He says, closest venue to me. Stoked. That's rad, dude. Happy for you. Uh, Kaleon Green. Hey, dude, you're going to have to take that up with Nick and Scott. Don't ask us. We don't decide who guests on Broncos for breakfast, so you better take it up with those those guys. They, he says, Nick said, you control this. Well, I mean, I, I can veto anything, but those guys can do whatever they want, right? So uh, talk to them. That's not my call. Um, Phil says he's still having problems with uh, Facebook stars, but here he is. Great show. It's all good, dude. We're just happy to have you in the chat, for real. Great to see you. Uh, all right, Zach, as we uh, kind of wind down here, we're at 48 minutes. we got a little bit of time left in uh, – tonight's stream no james these are not new cameras we're just going with a different we're blurring the background so it just looks more in focus it just looks better that's why we're doing it so for what it's worth appreciate you um so to to kind of sum up rookie minicamp the good news is there was no jeff hireman torn acl you know covering a freaking uh practice kick return so outside of henningson kind of pulling a hammy. Everyone stayed healthy. Broncos are going to merge the rookies with the veterans for uh, the mandatory camp here. Is that next week, Zach, mandatory? The only mandatory one they have is in June. Everything else is voluntary. All right, let me think here. Let me go to – But they have OTAs uh, throughout the month. So everyone comes together here very, very soon, and then, uh, you know, they'll they'll get to – be exposed to the vets and all that stuff and really see the ante get upped. But uh, I liked what I saw from a few guys. Nick Benito is going to take some time. You know, he's he needs to marinate a little bit. I liked what I heard and saw from Montreal, Washington, for what it's worth, Zach, the fifth-round pick that everyone was kind of scratching. Go, wait a minute, what the Sam Hick? Um, the only tape you're going to find of that kid on YouTube, by the way, I put it in the – MHH uh, YouTube community tab, guys. So on YouTube, our subscribers, go find that. You can check out the game that literally got him drafted. This is what popped him up on Dwayne Stukes' radar. But I liked it, Zach, that he was, uh, you know, everyone thinks, oh, you're a fifth-round pick. You're about as close to a roster lock as it gets. They talked about you basically being their plan A for returner. Do you feel like you've arrived? Do you feel like, he said, I ain't arrived yet, dude. Like, I got everything to prove. I don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't feel like my freaking job is secured. I like the kid's energy. He's very humble. Uh, out on the grass, he looked fast, explosive, twitchy. I'm much more intrigued from in this kid uh, than I was when they drafted him, but I still think they could have got him as a college free agent after the draft and saved the fifth round pick for somebody else. 
Yeah, I mean, what are the odds that fifth round pick would have become an instant starter like Montreal Washington? I don't I don't understand the criticism for this guy. He's gonna be an instant impact player on special teams. And shout out to Zach Azani, who scouted wide receivers and actually told Dwayne Stukes and George Payton, I'm assuming the coaching staff, uh, about Montreal Washington. I'm excited to see what he can do. I we suffered long enough through Deontay Spencer and McKenzie and Jordan Taylor before him. So I want a dynamic player on specials, and we're getting that in Montreal, Washington. <laughs> JD801, I love the new camera view. It's like I'm tripping without tripping. Well, hey, anything we can do to enhance your psychedelic experience, my friend. Um, but, Zach, I think that's good. Let's, uh, let's say goodnight for now, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. We're going to have a really fun guest tomorrow night, Kim Becker, who – I think you guys can remember from her experience as a staff member here at MHH. She's back. She's been dropping videos that you guys have been seeing on the site and on YouTube. She's going to join us tomorrow night. And there's a kind of a fun announcement that's going to come along with that. So stay tuned for that. That was the Huddle Up podcast, though, guys. I hope you all had a great weekend. Have a great rest of your Sunday evening. We're back on tomorrow night, as Chad just said. Same time, same place. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Don't forget Scott, our producer, at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, it's right there. You guys know it, HuddleUpPod.com. And also Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like that page and follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave Leave your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month. But if you can't do those things, we ask you so kindly, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. Shout out to Michael Ronquillo on YouTube, Tanner Hull, Sam Bam, The Duchess. Love you. And then our great supporters on Facebook, Gary Leeds Palmer, Ben Wallman, Jim Pilcher, Lawrence Rivera, Travis Weber, Andrew Baker, George Fox. And those of you that are on YouTube right now, you'll notice that as you look down beyond the video box, you'll see our merch is now available to you on YouTube. You, you don't have to go to huddleuppod.com. You can, but you can just buy it right while you're chilling in YouTube. Just remember the merch thing. It's another great way to support what we are doing here at MHH. And we have some really fun, big plans in store for the merch store and just cool designs that we put a focus and time and investment into uh, to for you guys. So look forward to that. There's some new designs on the store right now, and you can just scroll through it on YouTube as you're chilling there. And as Dylan said, great conversation as always like it, as Zach mentioned, which is a little thing you guys can do to help us out in a big, bad way. Love you. Hit that like button guys. Take care. And as always go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.